From between the hedges at Sanford Stadium to the practice fields, from Stegman Coliseum and wherever else the Bulldogs are playing, it's time to talk Georgia sports. From the Athens Banner Herald, here are your hosts, Mark Weiser and Ryan Dennis. What's up? Welcome into the Bulldogs Extra Podcast. It's Mark Weiser with Ryan Dennis of the Athens Banner Herald. It sounds a little bit like cavernous or echo-like. We are in a new studio, fresh, uh, close by off of Millage Avenue. And uh, it's our first time doing the podcast uh, in this venue. Uh, Ryan, what do you think? Are we going to make it through this uh, next half hour or so? I mean, it seems like it. Uh, You know, we... uh... We've got a new setup. Uh, we're still trying to get the nuts and bolts and everything uh, screwed down tight to get this thing uh, back to where the uh, sound needs to be. But uh, I think we'll make it work when we get everything uh, tightened up. We're not actually on our normal podcast studio uh, soundboard equipment, whatever. Uh, we're doing this through Ryan's laptop. So hopefully we'll get that up and running and get the sound even better uh, in the coming weeks. Ryan Georgia is nearly a week into preseason practices. They will scrimmage for the first time on Saturday. We are, I was it, three and a half weeks away from the season opener against Oregon. Talk about what we learned so far, including an audience on Tuesday with uh, not one, but two defensive coordinators, Glenn Schumann and Will Muschamp. Did that surprise you at all that, that you got both, or were you kind of expecting that? You know what? I mean, word came out, not officially, on uh, Tuesday morning that Glenn Schumann would be joining us and then. Will Muschamp came soon after. I'm not sure why Georgia, like, you know, doesn't just say uh, here's who's going to be available, but it was uh, kind of a mystery deal for them. Maybe maybe Muschamp had to negotiate an extra $5,000 to make that media appearance. Maybe it wasn't in his contract. I don't know what it was. No, I'm just kidding. Will's obviously very comfortable in that setting as a former head coach of Florida, former head coach at South Carolina, and uh, I think he does a good job uh, – you know, dealing with the media and uh, entertaining. Glenn Schumann is uh, obviously uh, well, well regarded as a uh, position coach, cranked out a bunch of NFL linebackers, Roquan Smith, and Kobe Dean and company from last year, even Tay Crowder. Um, and, uh, you know, he's an up and comer, even uh, he, he's still only 32, although he seems like he's been the young guy around oh, forever. Yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll talk about what they had to say um, and kind of uh, what we've learned so far from this preseason for Georgia football practices. Ryan, uh, Olivia Newton-John died this week. Uh, is that uh, the star of Grease and the hit song Physical? How many times have you seen Grease, and what are your favorite songs? Uh, you know, I, I think Grease is one of those movies where I hadn't seen it all the way through in one sitting. You know, I've seen it uh, when TBS or – TNT or something used to show it, uh, you know, I might catch a little bit here and there. Um, but as far as songs go, you know, uh, off the top of my head, I, I can't really, uh, you know, think of the uh, <clears throat> the words and lyrics. Uh, I mean, I can see them dancing. I can see John Travolta's little twirly hair, you know, and stuff like that. But was it's uh, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. I know that's great listening for everybody, but. All right, I'll give you three choices. You can uh, choose from Grease Lightning, yeah, yeah, yeah. Beauty School Dropout, or Summer Nights. Now, Beauty School Dropout was uh, the Rizzo or whatever woman, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. 
uh, let's see, what was the last one? That was, I think that's the one that I was thinking of. Summer Nights? Yeah, Summer Nights. There you go. Does that make me feel fine? Is that right? Um, Summer Nights. I, I'm, not, I'm not singing on the podcast, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Summer Love. Yeah, yeah, you did. Um, who do you like, the Rydell High or uh, North Oconee if they, if they kind of matched up in football? Um, yeah, I mean, I'd take North Oconee being a local favorite. I mean, they had a good run last year. So. <clears throat> All right, let's get back to Georgia football. Um, practice was uh, open yesterday for about 16 minutes for the media, and uh, a lot of NFL <laughs> scouts were there. Um, basically, I would say more than half the NFL teams were represented. Um, you see all the colors and you know, who they're checking out. Obviously, Seth Bennett, right? Um, they're all there to see him. Um, well, I mean, he's he's throwing to Ad Mitchell, and he's he's probably a good prospect. And uh, there, there might be some tight ends that they're interested in. Uh, One or three. Yeah, a bunch of them. Um, let's kind of break down what we saw. I wrote about the uh, secondary. Kind of instead of going out there, and and we've had a little bit more time than usual. Instead of going out there and trying to see everything. I'm trying to kind of focus a little bit more on one position at a time when I go out there, which, you know, is dangerous in that, like, if Kenny McIntosh turns an ankle and I'm not watching the running backs when I miss it, you know, that's not a good thing. You but can't be everywhere at once, man. You're, you're one person. You, you actually can if you, uh, you know, just spend uh, 10 seconds at every position and just <laughs> glance. Um, anyway, the starters in the secondary, um, I'll tell you what, what I saw and, and get your take. First of all, you know that, that Keely Ringo – you know, a starter at corner, William Poole, uh, you know, seemingly a starter at the star nickel, and then Christopher Smith at safety. Dan Jackson, I heard Kirby kind of, you know, he did probably 15, 20 interviews at SEC Media Days, and he mentioned Dan Jackson as a starter, like, you know, there's there was no hedging. Um, so, I mean, you think Jackson is a, is a guy that, you know, is pretty safe in that spot? No, I mean, uh, you know, when you – Think about uh, is that a Tyke Smith position or uh, Tyke? We're not seeing much of Tyke out there. Yeah, right? that's kind of surprising to me. Well, you know? he's coming back off the ACL. Obviously, obviously, I get that. Um, you know, the, the funny thing about Dan is he was consistent. He was he he's a, a you know a guy that's in the right position at most times. You know, he kind of got a little made fun of for taking on the block or whatever the uh, trying to block on Keeley's interception return last year, where he got upended by the. Alabama uh, receiver coming back, but I mean, he's just a, he's a, he's a consistent guy and uh, a smart player back there and, uh, you know, come up and, and hit you. Now, I don't think the position's his by any means, but uh, I think, you know, as far as experience, uh, Georgia could definitely do worse at that position. All right. The, the real battle is going to be probably at the other corner spot. <clears throat> Kamari Lassiter uh, was working with, with the ones and then, um, you know, on the second team, uh, Dalen Everett was at one of the quarters, and uh, yeah, Javon Bullard at the star, David Daniel, and Ja'Cory Thomas at safety, and Nyland Green was was the other corner. I was drawing a blank on Nyland's first name. Um, I, I think there's still you know competition there at that other corner spot. Obviously, when we're talking about two scrimmages and then you know other practices to make that decision, but. Um, you know, they're going to be relying on young guys, uh, a local kid, Malachi Starks. <clears throat> Seemed to get a lot of coaching is, is the way I would put it. Um, obviously a lot of talent, um, but they're making sure he's in the right spot, doing the right things and giving him some praise along the way. So, um, you know, I guess they listed him as an athlete to start with. Uh, so what, what did he play exactly at 
Jefferson. Well, he was a safety, uh, very good safety, obviously. Uh, put him at quarterback because uh, he just, you know, athletic. You think of some of those uh, Nick Marshall, right? When he had safety and quarterback in high school and obviously played safety and then quarterback at Auburn, but uh, or safety at Georgia before going to Auburn. But uh, yeah, he was just a, you know, he had the ATH next to his name for athlete because he could do a little bit of everything. But uh, yeah, I think safety was the main position they, they expect him to be at, at Georgia. And, uh, you know, five-star guy, you know, you think he might be able to get in the mix a little bit this year. All right, let's get back to the uh, Muschamp Schumann kind of tag team defensive coordinator deal. How do you think that marriage is going to work? And, you know, do you think that there's one guy that is like one and the other guy is 1A? Do you think it's just Muschamp because of his, you know, experience, you know, a veteran coach more than 25 years? Um, or do you think it's kind of as much equal as it can be? I would I would assume that that Will Muschamp is, is got a little more of a uh, a lead on the on the coordinator position given his history you know going back to you know with Texas he was obviously a, a big time defense coordinator at LSU uh, so he has the experience as a coordinator now I think they had to kind of tiptoe this line right with Schumann being that up and coming guy you didn't want him to depart for somewhere else maybe go with Dan landing out to Oregon. Uh, so, you know, this might be a thing where they might expect Will to move on from here at some point, and, and maybe that's uh, Glenn's spot to, to fully take over in the next year or two. But, uh, I mean, to me, I, I'm sure they're all in the same room with the same ideas, you know, passing around to each other. Uh, but I, I would personally, I would think that Will would kind of be the lead role in this in a sense. But uh, obviously Glenn is a, is a smart guy who – has a lot of potential. I'm going to pick up on that in a second, but first I need to do a little tease, considering uh, we should do that at the top, and I forgot. We're going to be ranking Georgia's schedule from the easiest game to the toughest, 1 through 12. We'll do that a little, little bit later on the back end of the show. You make a, an interesting point. I would look at it a different way in terms of which guy would be leaving first. I think Will Muschamp as a twice, uh, twice as a head coach and now at 51 years old, I think it is, uh, you know, his uh, son, I believe, is is a quarterback in Chattanooga at a school up there now. Mm-hmm. Um, other son, I mean, does he have two or three sons? I can't remember. Um, is on the Georgia football team. Does Will want? I mean, Will's not going to get. I don't think a Power Five job. I mean, I guess if Georgia wins a national championship again, and and he's defense corner, maybe. You know, I, I don't know where that fit would be. Um, I think. Schumann is more apt to, to go somewhere else and become a head coach at a, you know, uh, non-Power 5 school or something. Or or maybe he just waits his turn like Dan Lanning did and, and gets the right opportunity, you know, at a good job like Oregon. Um, you know, Muschamp said he was telling his wife that he's got the best job, you know, of anybody. Meaning, you know, obviously I think he might – I guess – I assume he'd rather – would rather be the Georgia football head coach than the the co-defense coordinator, but maybe he's at the stage in life where he's like, I don't have to deal with, you know, people questioning why, you know, I made this call or that call. Um, Do you think that other programs, I mean, obviously with Georgia's success under, you know, Kirby, especially with this defense, are they calling a co-defensive coordinator or does he need that job all along? Who's Glenn Schumann? Glenn Schumann. Does he need that, at 32 years old, like you said, does he need that job fully to himself for a year or two before people are like... I mean, I think when you have Kirby Smart as the head coach anyway, people wonder, 
you know, is Kirby really pulling the strings on the defense? Or Boy, that sounds like uh, Nick Saban, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it's a very similar situation. Um, anyway, some interesting uh, quotes that I'll pass along from yesterday. Glenn Schumann was talking about that uh, they had 19 players on defense last year play over 200 snaps. He said, I think the team talk on defense is extremely important. You're looking for as many people that can play winning football as possible. Do you think they have 19 players on defense this year playing over 200 snaps? You might have to, to, to mix people in and out. I mean, they've always been good about sending in packages, right, on defense. Uh, you know, you, you got it, – it's funny to watch, even with all that talent they had last year, it was like, you know, whatever package the offense sent out, they'd send out six, seven guys on, on defense. And I don't expect that to change much. I mean, you know, you're always getting guys in and out and – I think they'll, you know, especially early in the year, they might have to rotate some people in and out to find the, the right fits uh, to replace some of those those guys. So uh, I expect a lot of, a lot of uh, you know, movement, a lot of uh, whether that's matchup or, or getting guys in to, to try to find the right fits in the right spots. You know, one thing is, is good to, when you're out there on the practice field, is just to kind of take an up-close look at some of these guys. And I say up close, I mean, we can get really close on the practice field to some of the positions, like the defensive linemen, uh, they, and, and the tight ends, they're right on the sideline near where, where the media is allowed to, to stand during practice. The offensive line is across the field. So, and the running backs for the most part as well. So you really can't get as great a look at, as a, at a Broderick Jones or Marius Mims, or even be able to see the, how the line, the line is lined up. Now we do, we do know how it's lined up, uh, you know, from watching it from afar. And the interesting thing I guess we should make a mention of is that Tate Ratledge has gone from, uh, you know, being out all last year with his Liz Frank injury to plugged in back in as a starting right guard. Um, Warren Erickson, who kind of was in and out, you know, he was the starter last year, but then towards the end of the season, you know, whether it was injury or performance, you know, he wasn't, uh, you know, at the top of the heap necessarily. And he was working as a backup center on, a, you know, one of the practices I saw, um, you know, on the left side. Um, who were the guys that started uh, on G-Day? I've drawn a blank. I don't have my roster up in front of me. Um, shoot, now I don't have to, to call that up. But um, I was drawing a blank on uh, Devin Willick uh, has been at the other guard spot. And then obviously, you know, about, uh, you know, uh, at the left tackle spot now, Broderick Jones uh, on the right tackle, of course, third year with Warren McClendon, and then Cedric Van Pran Granger at center. So that guard spot will be interesting to see, uh, you know, if somebody can make a run there. Marius Mims was, was at, at right tackle backing up McClendon. So uh, I think they want to get him involved as well, get him in the rotation. Marius, you mean? Yeah. Well, uh, he, he left for all of uh, 10 seconds, I think, before saying that he would uh, stay with Georgia. So... Uh, I, I would think they'd want to, uh, you know, not please him. Obviously, you got to work for your position, but uh, you know, the fact that he stuck it out with Georgia, I think, was a sign that uh, you know they've got they've got some plans for him to to definitely take a, a role at some point. All right, well, to make a long story short, I was talking about looking at these guys in practice, and I did check out Marvin Jones. Uh, I think it was Sunday. I mean, we didn't mention that a rare Sunday practice uh, was open to the media, which kind of came out of the blue. Uh, uh, we learned about that the day before, and um, Marvin Jones looks the part. I mean, that dude looks like he's going to be, uh, you know, get him coached up. And, um, you know, Muschamp was talking about Marvin Jones and, and Michael Williams, how 
both those guys are twitchy. They have pass rushing ability. Um, and so it'll be interesting to hear what those guys uh, do in, in this first scrimmage if, uh, you know, we get word about that. Um, otherwise, Kendall Milton was running a first team. What I saw the other day, uh, I guess that was Sunday as well. Um, and then um, at wideout, looks like Don Blaylock, you know, maybe still uh, got has some ways to go um, to, uh, you know, be considered in that same top tier with your, uh, uh, you know, A.D. Mitchells, Atlad McConkey's, uh, Kyrus Jackson, uh, maybe even Marcus Rosemey Jackson, but, he, but he's right there pushing. Um, and then the tight ends, you know, we've talked a lot about those guys or written a lot about them. And Todd Munkin, I assume, is going to be out there Thursday uh, doing his uh, interview press conference, uh, the, you know, once uh, a season type deal we get with him. And I'm sure we'll be asked a lot about the tight ends. All right, let's take a little break. We come back. We will talk about uh, Georgia's schedule and, um, you know, who's the, who's the toughest uh, teams that the Bulldogs are going to see this year. Ryan, the uh, coaches poll came out on Monday, Georgia number three, but they got more first place votes than number two, Ohio State. Um, I got Georgia number two in my AP poll that is coming out next Monday. Um, look, I have a lot of faith that you can lose a whole a boatload of talent and Georgia's recruited so well that they have the next wave ready to go. And I think they're going to get coached up. Um, you know, this is a good coaching staff. You know, there's a reason why Mel Tucker, Sam Pittman, Dan Lanning have gone on to power five head coaching jobs and had success at those jobs. And Lanning obviously hadn't coached a game yet. Um, but, you know, you got Muschamp and Schumann stepping into defense and still have Kirby here. Ryan, tell me I'm wrong that uh, Georgia should not be number two. I, no, I, I think that's a perfect spot for them. Obviously, Alabama getting a lot of praise and hype for all they have coming back. Well, I didn't say I have Alabama one. Uh, I just assume. Uh, you don't think Vanderbilt's very good? Uh, all right, when, we, when we go through our schedule, this, uh, in just a second, you'll see where I have Vanderbilt. But it sounds like the perfect spot to be in. Uh, I bring this up before our uh, ranking of the teams because only one other team besides Oregon, which I think is at number 12 in the uh, coaches poll, uh, is on Georgia's schedule, and that is Kentucky, which is like 21. So it's not the strongest schedule. Um, you know, that says something about the SEC East where, where teams, uh, you know, are maybe um, on the rise, but not there yet. Uh, all right, let's let's rank them You're 12 ready? through 1. All right. Want to go let, first? I'll let you go first. Number 12. Sanford. What do you say? Isn't that the Bulldogs? That is the Bulldogs with Sanford. Uh, right over the line in Alabama, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. They're the only FCS team on the schedule, and uh, I do have them. Number 12, but um, Georgia played them not too long ago. Yeah, I think they went 4-7 uh, and seven in the uh, FCS last year. So. Oh, Ryan sent some research. Yes, I did. Former uh, Mercer coach, I believe. Is it? Yeah. Not the Lamb. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. He went up to Furman or uh, somewhere up that way. Anyway, number 11, I got Vandy. Yes, it was. Okay, so so it's down to Kent State or Vandy, right, for that spot when you uh, say? Vanderbilt. Um, Let's just say they opened the season last year, 
with a what thirty point loss to uh, East Tennessee or something like that. Yeah, they were non competitive against Georgia last year, in, or anybody in, in Nashville. Um, I mean, uh, JT Daniels was not at the uh, top of his health, and he threw like five touchdowns in, in five minutes, right? Yeah, <laughs> went it like twenty four nothing in about three minutes, something crazy. Yeah, and that game's in Athens this year, so oh, I don't know what that point spread's going to be. Yeah, that could be ugly. All right, number ten. You uh, you went one way. I'm going another way. All right. I have Georgia Tech number ten. Yeah, I mean, I debated it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I went Kent State because uh, I mean competition, right? Uh, uh, they did finish five and seven last year, but they didn't really beat anybody. I look back through their schedule, and, and yeah, I mean, when it comes down to it, I Georgia, think Kent, I think Georgia Tech's a little bit improved. Georgia Tech's best player from last year is now on Alabama. Alabama team. Yeah. Jameer Gibbs, I was saying. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of heat on uh, Jeff Collins, and I assume this will be his last year. I don't know his contract situation, but um, maybe Glenn Schumann's the next Georgia Tech head coach. That'd be a dumb move on his part. <laughs> you don't you do not do that. I mean, it's considered one of the you know top two or three worst jobs, toughest jobs, right? Because you're in the middle of – you're in the middle of – Atlanta, maybe they go one get, of the biggest hey, cities, and nobody cares about your football team. Maybe go get Jeff Munkin and uh, let him come back and run, uh, run the triple option. Well, that, see, that's the route they need to go. Yeah. They need to they need to go the route of a uh, gimmicky type of, of team to compete. I assume we just flip-flop number 10 here. Number nine, I have, nine. Kent, I have Kent State, and uh, I'm going on faith that our uh, colleagues at USA Today um, know what they're doing. Um, I did not do the research on Kent State. Um, they're like a week three or four opponent for Georgia, something like that, week four maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but USA Today has a uh, preseason college football uh, magazine or I guess kind of a newspaper. It's kind of a big, big uh, newspaper, I guess. It's a, it's a it's kind of like those baseball weeklies that a they – A tab? Is that what yeah, yeah, it's kind of a tab. I, I don't know. It's baseball weekly. I got it sent to me from the fine folks at USA Today Sports because I contributed a story about – Georgia's uh, season, a lot of the writers in the uh, USA Today Sports Network did as well. But they, they listed every FBS team, and they have Kent State 59th, which is pretty high com- considering that they have Vandy at 118 and Georgia Tech at 106. Well, so you cheated and just got your uh... – I, I went with, uh, <laughs> with, with, with what they did. Um, and I've heard good things about Kent State um, for, you know, the, the type of, um, uh, you know, non-Power 5 – so that'll be interesting. I, I, you know, I bet that week you will hear Kirby say, look, this isn't the worst team we're going to play on our schedule or, you know, something to that effect. And, and you might be like, go on. Yeah. Towards the tech is definitely. Uh... Uh, all right. Number eight, I got Missouri. And um, I guess it's a pretty important year uh, over there for, for the head coach. Um, you know, Fan bases don't wait that long anymore, or, or administrations don't wait that long anymore. And then AD there came in um, a year or two ago, right? So yeah. she didn't hire him. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I got Mizzou in that spot too. You know, uh, very mediocre year last year. Georgia handled them pretty easily. Uh, obviously, at Missouri's kind of a different story. Georgia struggled at times up there to, to, to beat Missouri, but not this Georgia team. I think it's going to be uh, – Pretty pretty easy win. I got him at number eight on my list. I mean, Eli Drinkwitz is is you know I think he's likable. He's a uh, you, you wish you know for success for him. I mean, he's the one that kind of wasn't afraid to kind of mix it up with with Dan Mullen. Um, and 
I don't remember exactly what he called him, but basically said something to the effect of, maybe when he got fired or something, like, like bad karma comes to those with, mm. you know, I don't know exactly. But, and plus, uh, give you know, Missouri did not get JT Daniels as a transfer, but they did get a five-star wide receiver that Georgia wanted mm-hmm. to stay home. Yeah. Uh, so, number seven, I got South Carolina. What do you got? I went Auburn. Okay. And the reason I did is because it's a home game for Georgia. And – it just does not feel like that's going to be a competitive match, you know, with uh, Auburn, with uh, Brian Harson having some issues, and seems like some of those are still continuing with some odd situations uh, over on the Plains. I went Auburn in that spot. Actually, I didn't probably take into account. Well, uh, I probably should have thought more about it. No, I mean, <laughs> I think South Carolina and Champion have gotten a lot of hype. Um, they've had some games. Like, wasn't it East Carolina that they kind of scuffled to get a win? Uh, it'd be interesting to see, you know, if they can put uh, together a similar type win total this year. You know, it lends more legitimacy. I mean, obviously they got the Oklahoma quarterback that transferred in there. Um, there seems to be, uh, you know, a lot of positive vibes around there. Um, you know, Georgia's had some times going to South Carolina where it hadn't been necessarily the prettiest. But last time they went there, I think they kicked their, their butt right. And Mike Bobo was the interim coach. Yeah, yeah, they've uh... – I mean, they, they, like I said, there's some hype. Spencer Rattler coming in, obviously. You know. Hey, I will give you this snippet from uh, walking to the car yesterday after following my second story of the day, I guess it was, from the press box. And uh, Kirby's on the microphone, so it's not like you're listening in on a secret because you're just like, I'm not like. Yeah, you can hear that. You can hear that thing yeah, down at Stanford State. I'm not walking over there like, um, well, everyone be quiet. What's Kirby saying? <laughs> uh, he was saying something to the effect of, you know, you guys think this is how? Wait till we go to South Carolina, you know. So, and that's isn't that a noon game or something? A noon game, and that's a place that, uh, for some reason, I don't know if it's uh, where it sits right in the middle of the plains of the or the you know uh, no hills or shade or anything around there, but it always seems to be about twelve degrees hotter than it actually is. Yeah, Columbia's pretty hot. It's uh, in a noon kick. I, actually, I don't remember. Maybe it was a noon kick for that Sunday tornado game, right? Was that a tornado? That came well, it was the hurricane. Hurricane game, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I feel like that was later in the year. This is September. Yeah, you're right. I don't Absolutely. know. So, uh, all right. What were we at? Uh, five? No. Now you. So I have six. Auburn. I have Auburn six. Okay. Um, no, you have them at seven. No, no, I have oh, seven. I, I have seven. I have Auburn six. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like uh, you know Harson's got a second life there. And uh, maybe I'm a li- leaning a little bit too much on the history and, and not thinking, like you, you mentioned, that this is a home game. And Now, Auburn did play Georgia, what, 24-10 last year, was it, or something? Or was it the year before? It was a tight game. It, it wasn't so tight, remember. It seemed well, like I guess the, it, wasn't, it wasn't that tight. The either. Lad McConkey touchdown uh, you know, last year seemed to really give the give the Bulldogs a spark, and they, they really pulled away. Uh, at that spot. 34-10. 24-10 was, uh, I feel like maybe it was different. It was 17-3 at halftime. I believe Georgia beat them 24-10 in uh, 18, was it? Or 17? It was 17. it was a Trevon Walker game, wasn't it? Was it 19? Yeah, they all run together at this point. But I had South Carolina at number six because... 21-14 to 19. Okay. Uh, all the reasons that, that we just said, really. Basically, it's an away game. I think uh, Beamer has a, you know, has a little momentum there. And uh, Spencer Rattler, I think he's a, he's a heck of a quarterback. Auburn had scored very many touchdowns in um, not, yeah, I'm trying to think of all the games. You remember they had that run uh, there in the early 2000s where it seemed like the away team was always winning? That's a long time ago. All right, number five, I have Florida on my list. Um, 
Uh, I'm sure you have Mississippi State. Maybe? I do have Mississippi State. Now, now yeah. I, I did that because I wrote a story yesterday like um, about <clears throat> about how this could be a tricky game on the schedule. And, and I also put uh, – I guess I'll just go ahead and talk about Mississippi State, who has my fourth team. Where it falls on the schedule, Georgia has Florida, then they have Tennessee, then they go to Starkville, and they also have Kentucky the week after that. So uh, that's kind of a game that I think you – know, will, will Georgia be emotionally spent after going up against two, uh, you know – I mean, Florida, obviously a big rival. Tennessee could be, you know, scratching, a, you know, at their, biting at their heels. Maybe they're number two team in the division by then. I don't know. But what do you have? Yeah, I went at, uh, you know, because at Mississippi State had them at the uh, fifth. And Florida, I mean, that's a game I, I feel like that, uh, you know, it's always going to be the rival game. I mean, there's a reason CBS has that game locked in at 3.30 every year. So, um, uh, at least until the new deals start, we'll see what ESPN does. But, uh, yeah, so flip-flop those two. Like you have uh, I had Mississippi State at five, Florida at four, just because I've, I, my whole life I've considered that Georgia's biggest rival. I have, I, I have Florida um, five, but, but, I mean, I, I think Billy Napier is a good coach, and I, I think he's kind of the antithesis of, of Dan Mullen when that, like, you know, he's got a totally different approach and, uh, you know, a lot more – um, hard nose is that a good word? Yeah, he's hard nose. He's uh, he's also a guy that um, you know a little bit more low key and, and matter of fact. And he's from the Saban School, just like Kirby's from the Saban School. I mean, they they both were on that staff, and um, you know they work together. So um, I mean, I, I don't know how much he's going to be able to close the gap with Georgia, but I think ultimately, uh, you know, it's probably a better long long term deal than what you had with, with Dan Mullen. All right, so I'm going to just skip through. Um, we talked about Mississippi State in Florida. Uh, you can check out the story on the Mississippi State game at onlineathens.com. Uh, I got Kentucky number three because I ended up putting Tennessee second uh, when I did my SEC East picks. Um, and, I mean, Kentucky's going to give you the same, uh, you know, eight, nine, ten wins every year, and they're going to be up there, but just not have enough guys to, to really, you know, I mean, obviously they had the big showdown, what was it, four or five years ago when Georgia went up to Kentucky, um, was winner take all. Um, but I think Tennessee's on the rise, and they have a good quarterback, they have a good offense, they have a good play caller in Josh Heupel. Um, so I have Tennessee two, I have Kentucky three. Well, you know what? Georgia has Tennessee here in Athens, which I think is, uh, I, you know, I think that, that has a big weight. And uh, when that game rolls around, was it is it mid October now uh, that they're they're playing, or is I mean, it I think, early I think it's early November? Early November. Um, yeah, I, November fifth. Yeah, I uh, I rank Tennessee third because of that. Because I think that uh, coming to Sanford Stadium, that's going to be an electric atmosphere and uh, give me you know advantage Bulldogs, and that's why I ranked them third. I got Oregon second. Because you're playing the game in Atlanta. Uh, it's kind of an unproven Oregon team. I mean, what is Dan Lanning going to bring to the, you know, to the program there? <clears throat> and uh, obviously season opener, a lot of question marks. But uh, I still don't think that uh, – I don't think this game is going to be as, as difficult as a game at Kentucky, uh, which could have SEC East on the line. Yeah, I thought about putting Tennessee as number one and Oregon two. But then, you know, I have Oregon in my top 15, I think in my AP poll. And, um, I mean, I get it in that the, there's a lot of new faces at Oregon, including obviously the whole coaching staff. So I, I guess the, the big takeaway from this whole list is that there's no one that jumps out to you where you're like, 
Exactly. That is a monster game. That's tra- clearly number one, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I mean, Oregon could be a 24-point, you know, loser to Georgia by the time that game ends up. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've seen Bo Nix, you know, have some games against Georgia where he gave him some fits on certain plays, but then also didn't uh, present as much of a challenge. I mean, you know, the one thing we're forgetting is that this is not Georgia's 2021 defense. We'll find out exactly what this defense looks like, you know, and then maybe Tennessee coming to Athens can put up more points than you think. You know, I think Kentucky, I I, I really think they took this whole offseason in stride because everybody's talking about Tennessee with the quarterback and, you know, the changes down at Florida. And, you know, they're just sitting there like, hey, guys, we're, uh, we've are we been second, you know, pretty consistently here in the SEC East. So uh, we'll just – we we'll just keep sitting back in the weeds, laying in the weeds, and uh, that's why I think that's – I mean, November 19th, I think, is the game against Georgia, last SEC game for both teams. Um, I just – you know, I think that's uh, that's going to be a that's gonna be a tough one for, for Georgia. And uh, I, like we said, what, 2018, I believe it was, SEC East on the line, uh, Georgia handled business. I don't think that Georgia should ever lose to Kentucky, no matter – it's uh, the same mentality Kentucky basketball has as far as facing Georgia. I've been in Kentucky when uh, the fans stormed the field and beat Georgia. What year was that? Uh, was Stafford on the team then? I can't remember. It was, it was, it was, well, I remember a time was, they beat was Georgia pre, in Athens. Uh, pre, with, uh, pre, pre, pre-10. 09. 2010 Georgia, I think. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'll look it up. But, um, yeah, 06. That was before it was uh, Kroger Field. There you go, twenty four twenty, if that's the one, I guess. Uh, yeah, twenty four twenty, Kentucky over Georgia that year. But I don't know if that was the year that. I don't know. Yeah, it says it snapped a nine game losing streak. At 06, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that was uh, that was pre turnaround when uh, Georgia won those final three games against uh, ranked opponents that season. I remember. That's when uh, Stafford came into the post game and had a. Uh, Cigar? No, he, he had, from, for a loss, no, he had a uh, big red mark across his forehead. Oh, uh, yeah. Taking too many shots, I guess. Um, all right, before we get out of here, let's let's touch on a couple of things. Ryan, we never really talked about the uh, the buzz cut, boys. Are you all in? Uh, you like how Stetson's keeping it fresh with his uh, uh, fade? Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a, you know, sharp look, you know. You, you want your helmet to be tight there. You did that story on the Buzz Cut boys. Did they mention that they got it at the uh, where no, they got the no, haircut? no, because nobody that was actually in the Buzz Cut boys was made available that day. That's so, true. Uh, but apparently, they have a little barbershop area at the new. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was. Yeah, it was. Part I of wonder it. if he said, "Hey, give me a tight fade," and they were like, "You got it, Stetson." I'm not sure if they have like a barber on hand twenty four seven or anything. Or I think they should. I don't know where it is. Hey, I, I don't put anything past what this uh, staff will do for recruits. Ryan, I need you to uh, kind of break down Tavani Boogeyman Mizell, uh, running back commitment from Damatha High in the great state of Maryland. You mentioned to me that he was from Florida. Well, that's what I, that's what I, I, I checked up on. Apparently he's from uh, South Florida and transferred to Damatha. <laughs> 2024 running back. Uh, I guess they still need some more. Do they have any in 2023? They missed out. I think they might have one. I don't know. Um do you know DeMatha well from up that way? Is well, I, what I know is that uh, it's a basketball powerhouse and football very good as well, but, you know, more of a, a, a basketball. I wonder sport. if he does. Morgan Wooten, the legendary uh, basketball coach. I wonder if MJ Sherman uh, talked to him a little bit. He's from up that way, right? 
in Maryland? Yeah, I think he went to a, a school in Baltimore, though. You know, it's a guy we haven't talked about much leading into the season. Yeah. Could it, it could be a big year. I mean, uh, you know, he's a – He's one of those guys you've heard about for like five years, I feel like, since his commitment. And now this might be his time. I mean, you need somebody, I guess, to, to work in there on certain packages with Nolan Smith and Robert Beal uh, already there. Um, That's another guy we haven't talked about. Robert Beal led the team in sacks last year. Nobody's talking about him. Well, we're talking about him a little bit. I mean, uh, I mean, that's a big get. That's a big return for Georgia. Yeah, I mean, we're, I mean he would have you know, probably been a day three guy from the NFL draft. So, uh, good decision for him. Another guy I feel like has been here for 12 years, right? Him and Stetson? Yeah. Eighth-year seniors? All right, looking on this list here, I'm not seeing the running backs for 2023 for Georgia. So, um, good to get the 2024 kid. But, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess you're going to have to hit the portal. Um, you, know, you, got four well, you still got two years right out of Milton. Uh, what is Kenny? Senior? I mean, all these guys have more eligibility given the, the COVID it's year. It's so confusing, but... isn't it? All right, Ryan, uh, Richard Seymour uh, got into the Hall of Fame over the weekend. Did you watch any of that? No. I don't watch Hall of Fame stuff. It bores me to tears. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, congratulations to him. I think it's fantastic, uh, you know. The, I, I, the DVR, I DVR'd it just to, to, to see uh, his speech. And I think they limited it um, maybe to 10 minutes or less. Uh, <laughs> okay, maybe I could watch I that. saw Bryant Gant, of course, was there. Um, I think I saw him there on the Champ Bailey induction as well. He's representing Georgia. The, the staffer, um, former player. Um, so I wrote a, in my newsletter, if you're not uh, getting that, I, it comes out on Tuesdays and Fridays. I wrote, who would be next for Georgia? And I texted Ryan, I think, the day before to get his thoughts. And Hines Ward. You didn't text me that. Um, that's a good question. Did I leave <clears> him <throat> out there? Hines Ward should be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, for what a career. Uh, Super Bowl, was he the MVP in the Super Bowl? He was not selected as a finalist for the Hall of Fame class of 2022. Um, he should be in. Yeah, I, I, I guess I did forget about him. You know, I, I kind of thought about guys that hadn't been on the ballot yet before. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's a that's a big omission. Um, he was a semifinalist this last year. So, yeah, but I was thinking more about guys that, you know, are coming up that, that you, you haven't seen even on the ballot yet. Uh, and the names that I came up with were, were Geno Atkins, Matthew Stafford, uh, Thomas Davis, and A.J. Green. Um, some of them are still playing. Right. I think, and uh, I, didn't, I didn't give this full thought the other day when you did text me this, but, I mean, A.J. Green has had a, I mean, a heck of a career. Uh, and, and you mentioned, and surprisingly, what Geno's a two-time uh, all-in, all-pro. Yeah. Uh, who else was a, a two-time all-pro? Okay. Thomas Davis. But how much? No, 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 no. Davis is. Uh, I don't know if he's been an All Pro at all. Uh, <clears throat> I'll look that up. Um, well, the, uh, so is AJ and Gino. I believe were your two time All Pros. But um, I mean, Matthew Stafford winning the Super Bowl. Uh, heck of a career. I mean, you can't fault him for Detroit because they had some of their so best. Davis was an All Pro once in 2015. Uh, I think his. Imagine the career he could have had without all the knee injuries. I mean, it, it probably would have been all the Hall of Fame lock. But I think Geno Atkins has the best case to get in. Even um, over AJ. Because AJ's had a well of a group. Yeah, I mean, I think AJ's you know, right there as well. Um, not, I think Geno probably better chance in terms of his sack numbers and, and you know, 
Um, both those guys, though, I mean, Gino in particular, I mean, when you play for the Bengals, that, that mm-hmm. kind of works against you, I would think. Well, that's what, I, that's what I think about Stafford, too. I mean, with the Lions. <laughs> yeah, I think if Stafford gets another Super Bowl, um, that he's going to get in. Um, I mean, I think, you know, winning one, to me, is, uh, I mean, just proves how good he is in his first year with the Rams. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and he took a dumpster fire of a Lions organization and turned them into at least playoff contenders every year. And, you know, now we see where they're at again without him. And of course, he did have Calvin to throw to a lot, which was, you know, no-brainer choice on his part. But, I mean, he – I think I think he's had borderline uh, a Pro Bowl or um, Hall of Fame career. All right, before we get out, uh, we probably need to make mention, Kirby's $112 million contract, uh, some more details came out. Uh, last week, fully guaranteed, I think it was for the first five years, um, which means if uh, Georgia falls into LSU category and, uh, you know, they uh, are just backsliding. Safe, safeguards in this contract? And, what uh, no, 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 I'm saying Kirby can fall on his face and uh, he's not going to get fired because. That's what I'm saying. Um, he built safeguards into it. Well, they're going to have to pay him $100 million or something. Oof. I don't uh, see that happening, though. You know, well, yeah, I, I mean, I guess it wouldn't be $100 million if it's in, yeah, I, he's going to get it all unless, no, 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 of course, you don't see it happening. And I'm not comparing Kirby with Ed Orgeron, but I'm just saying it's it's quite a, um, you know, uh, a safety net that if, um, you know, everything just falls off now, uh, you know, if there's a Jerry, Jeremy Pruitt situation, hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, then that's an out for Georgia, but... I don't see either of those things happening, and obviously uh, Kirby and Georgia have shown stability, uh, you know, from 2017 onward. That this is a top seven-ish program year after year, and and if they're in the if they rank number seven this year, that's a step back. And and I think the expectation obviously is playoff or bust pretty much every year. Now, I mean, it's not going to be a total like oh they had a horrible season if they didn't make the playoff. I mean, it's weird circumstances when you have a 14 playoff. You know, you could you could uh, you know have a second loss against Alabama or something. That, you know, who knows? But um, Kirby is set with uh, you know a uh, contract that Jimmy Sexton has uh, you know set the market again with with Kirby, and we'll see if it gets set again with the next guy, Mel Tucker, by the way, who hadn't really you know obviously done anything in terms of uh, you know taking the team to uh, a be, you know, at that near, level. Yeah. yeah. What bowl were they in last year, Michigan State? A good one. I mean, they were right on the. They the, were in the. The Peach Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. I think they were in the Peach Bowl. So the power. Uh, it yeah, was a New Year's Six Bowl, bowl or New Year's. Right, yeah. but he was getting paid, you know, more than Kirby last year or after uh, after that run. A strike while iron's hot, right? Yeah. So that that's kind of like um, when you when you sign a guy to a huge major league contract based on his potential. Um, you know, yeah. just lock them up. So anyway, uh, we'll, hit, we'll hit you next week with the uh, podcast, uh, Georgia Scrimmage this weekend, as we mentioned. And uh, everyone have a great rest of your week. We'll talk to you soon. See you.